From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, with Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Welcome to the local coronavirus update with our commentary intro music. Hey, Drew. Purely coincidental musical <laughs> choice for the day. <laughs> celebratory mood. We're in a celebratory mood. It's the end of an era. It is indeed. It is indeed. And actually, I'm actually in a very good mood looking at California numbers. Um, things are starting to um, not only flatten out, but decrease statewide. So, Many reasons to be in a good mood today. Uh, it'd be nice to get some rain, but how are you, Alicia? Um, I'm pretty good. I, you know, we have a special on um, the school's reopening that's going to play tonight here on KZYX at 7 o'clock. And so I just came out of the studio where I was recording that interview. So I, I'm sort of you know, whiplash between the inauguration and school's reopening. And just so it's just that level of stuff that's going on is... is uh, it's still hard to wrap our minds around, um, but otherwise, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Progress. Indeed. So we have, I think, a caller, uh, Ted Williams. We do. Do you want to start with the numbers or do you want to? Well, I'll run the numbers so okay. we don't get them out of the way. And also, before we get too far into the show and before I forget, um, correction to Friday's show, we said that the potentially contaminated or adverse reaction Uh, lot from Moderna uh, had not arrived in this county, and that was from a public health bulletin, but they corrected that bulletin about an hour after our show ended. Um, Apparently, 100 doses were administered in this county. If you are worried about that, don't be, because the only reason why this vaccine is on hold is because there was some suggestion that some people might have a more and there might have been a higher incident of allergic reaction from this vaccine, but it's still safe and effective, and you're well past the point of having any sort of reaction to this vaccine. And frankly, I think it's a tempest in a teapot, and I I really hope that those 330,000 doses that are currently on hold in the state of California get administered soon because this is, you know, the, the known risk of not using those vaccines is far greater than this little drop of information from San Diego. Anyway, let's get to the numbers, and then we'll bring Ted up. Does that sound good? That sounds great. And then um, also this will be a call-in show, so if you have questions, just hold tight. We're going to open up the phone lines in just a bit. Okay. So we added, I believe, 57 cases over the last two days in the county of Mendocino, bringing our total up to 3,171. Uh, We have just a just under 600 people either in quarantine or in isolation that's down a bit because the numbers are coming down very slightly we're still averaging about 35 um, people um, per day in this county getting infected with covid and our case rate is still our positivity rate is still 6.87 so pretty pretty much where it was um, all last week 
hospital utilization um, remains manageable. We have 11 people in the hospital with COVID in this county, one in the ICU, no new deaths. And the really good news um, from a statewide perspective is hospitalization rates are finally flat. Um, They are no longer climbing. The rate of climb had been slowing for the last couple of weeks, but now the hospitalization rate is actually completely flat, which is really good news. Um, And so hopefully this crush that we've been seeing south of us is not going to translate to a wave up here hopefully capacity will become a little bit more um, flexible um, if it does start to trend this direction but in general the numbers are looking better not just in southern california but up up northern uh, regions as well and so we may be starting to see you know the the down trend of this sine wave that we've been seeing over and over again throughout the country you know as it gets bad people shelter in place and they do all the covid rules and then you know as it gets better again people sort of relax and that's you know that's natural that's human behavior it just is a an unfortunately predictable um fluctuation in this pandemic um and with that i think we can uh, bring up ted we don't have a lot new in terms of vaccine development or tests or therapies there hasn't been any breakthrough medication or treatment over the last couple of weeks a couple sort of meh, uh studies came out on some treatment for um, covid but really no nothing that's going to change um, our management on a day-to-day basis right and we know that schools reopening is going to be the big news and in, in, over the next couple of weeks but the what's really happening right now uh, locally is we <laughs> if you're like me you keep seeing and hearing like news randomly about all these vaccine clinics that are going around uh, going on around the county we know that the county's doing an amazing job over 6000 people have gotten their first doses of the vaccine but in terms of how to get on the vaccine train it's not super clear yet in term if you're just a, a regular person who's not in tier 1a or 1b so uh to that end Ted Williams our 5th district supervisor has started a website called vaccinatemendo.com, and he joins us now on the local coronavirus update to talk about it. Hey, Ted. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Can you can you talk about what this website is and why you built it? Yeah, I was receiving uh, word from constituents uh, that uh, they wanted information about the vaccine. A lot of them were telling me about their conditions and their age and why it's, they're justified being in an early tier. And it was coming in paragraph form on my email, text message, Facebook, voice messages, and I found that I, I couldn't keep track of all of it. And so during some meetings um, last week, I, I threw together a quick website uh, to allow that data to be entered uh, by residents and stored in a structured way where we can search and ask how many are on the coast, how many per zip code, how many are tier one, and so forth, hoping we could help uh, advocate for these folks, make sure those that are currently eligible get to the attention of public health, and provide notice for those who have subscribed to the alerts uh, that there's an upcoming clinic. One, one of the challenges has been getting out uh, clinic upcoming clinic information in, in a way that everyone has equal access, access to. And, you know, there's some people who are on Facebook, some are on MCN list, some are listening to the radio. And it's, it, you know, we don't want to focus on just one outlet and be excluding people who, who don't have the same connectivity. Um, it's, it's posed quite a challenge. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not collecting any medical information. I'm just uh, collecting contact details and what tiers they want to be notified about. 
we, we were actually able to use it today. Public Health had a clinic in Fort Bragg, and they asked me um, if I knew of any uh, 1As. These are essentially the uh, the healthcare workers, um, uh, and then we bridge down to first responders. And uh, I was able to give give a list of 84 contacts who were interested. And so, you know, there weren't even enough spaces to to cover them all today, but. It was, a, it was a quick way to answer that question of who's the highest priority. And I, I guess uh, my question or concern, and probably the concern of a lot of callers, I mean, you said you're not collecting information, there's, so there's no medical information that's going into your website. Are you collecting no. age necessarily? I, I imagine you would need that. Um, it, 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 age is being submitted. It's optional. Same sure. information is going out if it's left blank. But for the what was 75 and up and now 65 and up, um, it's one way to get the, the right information to the right people. And, um, you know, I thought about a checkbox at the time for 75 and wondered what if the state changes it. I have to ask everybody again to recheck. And so it is asking for age, but it, it, it is optional. Right, and I mean it's a reasonable question. I mean the the age is certainly going to remain and probably will shortly become the primary determinant of who's eligible when for this vaccine. The other question I have uh, for you, Ted, is why you? Why not? Uh, why not the county? And did the county want you to do this, or did you come up with it and offer to do it? I mean, this seems like something that the state of California, frankly, should be doing. There, there should be a statewide system. Yeah. And, you know, as vaccines started becoming available with, with these uh, eligibility tiers, uh, the public started asking, well, how, will somebody contact me? How will I know? Right. And I don't, I don't know of a state system for this. Uh, Supervisor Mo and I were talking about it because, frankly, it was becoming a problem, people contacting us with details. And in a lot of cases, more details than we need to know. Yeah. We just need to know which tier. And, and so it, it felt like it's for constituent uh, advocacy, it made sense to collect it in a structured way. Um, I think all five supervisors are doing what they can right now. A um, couple of us are, are quite a bit younger uh, than the others, and so it makes sense for us to be hands-on. I know Mo has been cleaning the chairs at the public health clinic, you know, with bleach between between visitors. We're all chipping in. This is one way I thought I, I might be able to make a difference. And then, but, I, but I'm with you. There should be a state system. And then you're going to provide this sort of on request um, to public health when they are deploying a vaccine clinic somewhere in the county. Is that is that the concept? And are they buying but, in with this? I mean, I know I understand they did that in Fort Bragg. Is that going to be an ongoing process? I, ho- hopefully. I mean, there may also be announcements uh, sent out based on upcoming clinics, and so it may just be a way to have uh, a dynamic mailing list of those that are interested in receiving the announcements. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not 100%. I, I worry about the, the Spanish-speaking community. Uh, you know, it's the same socioeconomic lines we typically see in healthcare, yeah. uh, more pronounced during COVID. And, um, you know, it may be a community that doesn't have the same continuous Internet access and I hate to find out that they're, you know, disproportionately not being offered uh, the vaccines because by the time they find out, uh, the, the clinic is already full. That's what we've seen with the announcements. Sure. An announcement goes out that there's an upcoming clinic, and, and it fills up pretty quick. Yeah, and, and, it, and, and it tends to be the, the the most educated, the most connected, and probably a younger cohort than we would see otherwise. And I'm I'm certain it's excluding the Spanish speaking only, um, or disproportionately excluding the Spanish speaking only uh, population. You know, I when public health asks about um, uh, who I know of who's eligible for the one A, they're trying to 
finish up. There's some healthcare workers uh, who who haven't been vaccinated yet. Who, who, who you know who should go first? Uh, they they asked about the one B. I was able to quickly look at a sorted list and see we have 97 year olds, 95. I had uh, pages and pages of entries from 90 and up. Yeah, and you know I would I think most of us would agree somebody 90 and up. They should go before someone 65 without without conditions justifying a uh, you know, higher priority. Certainly, and um, and so I don't think it's just the young folks who are online, and in some cases it's it's young folks who are looking after their grandparents, you know, knowing they have family members who may not be online who you know are wanting to subscribe and know about upcoming events. Yeah, and I, and just to speak a little bit more to the outreach to the um, Latinx community. I, I know that the local health care centers are doing a great job reaching out to sort of major employers um, and getting the word through them to come in for, you know, a vaccine for frontline workers. And that certainly has happened here in Anderson Valley, and I think it's happened in other centers as well. Um, so there, there are multiple ways to try to broaden the reach of the vaccination um, push. You know, the, the, the real rate limiting step, I think, is not is not bodies. It's um, the vaccine still. But it, it's good to get the structure in place. Um, and I, I'm certainly pleased that you're putting all this effort into it. I'd like to say we're ramping up this week. I think we're actually scheduled to get less vaccine than last week. Yeah. Substantially less. Yeah. I think last week we had over 3,000. And this week, uh, I think the number is 500. Next week could be could be that low. And, you know, I'm always hesitant to give numbers because there are a lot of entries into the county. We were saying vaccines get here three different ways. The, the Adventist Network is a multi-county entity, uh, public health, the CVS Walgreens uh, federal uh, program, which, which I don't think has vaccinated anyone yet, but I understand we'll be starting on the long-term care facilities. Now I understand that uh, Consolidated is also getting some yeah. for, for tribes. Right. It's very difficult to track that aggregate, but what we know is it doesn't seem to be increasing. Right, and it's it's probably going to remain fairly flat and low for the next several weeks or longer, unfortunately. All right, and well, so so I get continuous uh, out, outreach from folks saying, "Hey, I'm 65, I'm eligible. Why can't I get it today?" Right, and I want to say, you know, yes, you can, and here's where you get it. We're we're just not there. It's, I don't know. There's probably 20 times as many people eligible as there are uh, vaccines arriving in the near term. Yeah, and that's and that's going to remain. Yeah, you know, that's going to remain the situation, I suspect, until you know late winter, early spring. Um, it's just going to be an ongoing issue. It's great that there's so much interest and desire to get vaccinated. Um, and I've been telling people on this show and elsewhere, you know, we we've survived the pandemic this long. Uh, we know what to do. We know what works. Um, nothing's changed other than the fact that we're getting a you know a vaccine in finally. But it's going to be a slow process. All right, Ted, do you want to stay? That, uh, um, your audience could, could do to help us is, you know, when we asked for folks to sign up on the, for 1A, uh, a lot of them uh, can't show that they qualify for 1A when it comes time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really difficult at, cl- at the clinics because these vaccines are thawed and only last uh, a, num- a short number of hours. And so they have to be used. And I know there has been criticism about skipping over tears. Sometimes that happens when uh, there's no shows or there's people who aren't eligible, and at the end of the day, you have to use it, and you're looking for the best possible match. But the way we can avoid that is, you know, commit. If you say you're coming, actually show up. But but also don't, you know, study the tiers. If you're not healthcare, don't come in under the healthcare tier. And and I say this, and I, I, I had the firsthand experience about four and a half hours on the phone verifying and talking to people and making sure they understand the tiers. The majority that signed up for 1A, 
they're not at 1A. You know, they're probably a phase 1B tier 2. And uh, it, it, it drove home, we need to simplify the charts. Yeah. But in the meantime, it would be a huge favor to the overall efficiency of the system. If when you try to sign up, you sign up for the correct uh, phase and tier. Okay, yep. so let's assure listeners if they sign up for this website, which is vaccinatemendo.com, that information is only going to you and you're sharing it with public health. With, that- with, with public health, and um, I have sent out announcements on behalf of Adventists when they've had uh, upcoming clinics. Uh, they've given me that clinic information, and I've sent it out to all of the website subscribers. Um, they should receive it the same minute, and they all have equal access to it. But you're not sharing that information with Adventists. You're not sharing your database I, with I, them. I, I, I have not. Um, uh, and there's talked about, you know, how do we get a central repository for getting this information out to, through all the different um, um, methods simultaneously. And the, those talks are still underway. So, you know, hopefully there's more room for collaboration. Right now there's 2,300 people subscribed. And so it, it may be one of the larger sources, although... You know, Facebook probably has us outnumbered. There's a lot of people on there, too. All right. Well, Ted Williams, thanks so much for calling in and explaining this this website to us. Really appreciate that. And I hope that uh, if people find it helpful, they go ahead and sign up. Yeah. Keep us posted, Ted. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Let's go ahead and open up the phone lines for questions. You ready? It's 895-2448 is the number here in the studio, 707-895-2448, and we'll take our first call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, good. Hi. Um, I have a question. I got a Moderna vaccine at AV Clinic last week, and they were wonderful. And then a couple of days later, I got a really... I know it's not related to the vaccine. I was outside. I was working i got really bad poison oak and i had i had a stash of some prednisone uh, because it i'm highly allergic to poison oak and so i started taking a little bit of prednisone like like five milligrams a couple times a day and i wonder is that going to interfere enough with my immune system to affect the efficacy of the vaccination I, I don't in that dosage there should be no problem whatsoever. So I take ten or fifteen a day, ten or fifteen milligrams a day. That that'll be okay. That, All right. Okay. Yes. All right. What if it was more? Well, thank you very much. Well, you know, if if it were more, I mean, the, it, steroids in general work by modifying your immune system, right? I mean, that's part of what they do. Um, and so, you know, I, if you're at, at a high dose of a steroid and getting the vaccine, we don't have a lot of data for that. I think that the biological, I know that the biological mechanisms are quite different. So I don't think there, there should be any sort of interaction. But I, I unfortunately, am going out on a limb there by asserting okay. that. Nobody knows. Yeah. Well, some somebody knows probably, or we will but know. At I, some I, I'm point. going to make an educated, an educated guess and say that she should be quite fine at that dosage of prednisone. All right, caller, are you still there? I am. Uh, go ahead. You're live on the air. Okay, uh, I got. I just started listening, but um, I understand that the tiers are switching to 65 as they were for 75 was the current 
here, and now it's 65. Is that correct? Yeah, so California went down to from 75 to 65 last week, and Mendocino County had been holding at 75, but I, I think they're going to follow California's lead at some point. I, I don't know if that's going to translate to significantly different vaccine rollout in this county because we're not going to be getting to very many of the eligible uh, individuals over the course of the next week or two. Um, and then as as Ted mentioned earlier on the show, I, I think there is going to be an effort to try to get the older cohorts um, of the people who qualify just by age in and vaccinated before it gets all the Hello? way down. Hello? Yeah, before it gets all the way down to 65. Okay, so... I did register, I guess, on Ted's site, you know, what is it, um, for, I'm 60, I'm, I'm 72, so I registered for maybe the wrong tier. Should I go back and delete that request for vaccination and re-register? As long as you put your age in, I think they'll sort it out um, and contact you when it's, when it's appropriate. So don't bother to upgrade the request. I, I, I wouldn't change it at this point. I would just leave it as it is. They're not going to vaccinate you. Um, they're not going to tell you to come in to get a vaccine unless you have, in fact, qualified. And that will be sorted out um, at some point between your registering on Ted's website and the actual administration of the vaccine. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. All right, thanks for the call. Um, bye. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. I have a feeling that's not a real call. Caller, you're live on the Hello? air. Are you there? Yes. Okay, yes. go for um, it. I have two questions. One is I'm wondering, I'm sort of following the ivermectin um, idea about treating COVID. And the second thing is, which just appalled me, I'm an RN and a really good friend of mine who's an RN has been involved in giving vaccines in three or four clinics. And I found out over the weekend, she told me that building and planning was running this vaccine thing and that it was very, very political and it was not public health. Could you please clarify something about that? Why are you pointing at me? (laughs) All right, so building and planning, my understanding is they are assisting in these vaccination clinics. So they are actually the vaccine task force. It's yeah. two people from planning and building, Nash Gonzalez and um, oh, 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 Adrian Thompson. Adrian Thompson. Yes, yeah. okay, it's yeah. a memory test. Um, and, and that they have been tapped to do it because they are like really well respected as completely competent and they're people. good at planning and they, right and, they, and they're good at planning and they seem to be proving themselves in both of those respects yeah i have to say i mean there's a lot of, you don't just simply put up a tent and start vaccinating people at these vaccine uh, events it's a, there's a lot of logistics that have to work quite smoothly and whether it's been run by public health or by adventist or through one of these local health centers in the county um they have all gone um with a few early hiccups they've all gone extremely well um as for the politics of it i i don't know maybe there are a lot of politics driving who is running the the program in the county i'm trying to not get involved in that um but you know the so far um uh, nash gonzalez and adrian um have been doing 
an excellent job from what I can see in terms of getting this vaccine deployed in a rapid um, and fairly equitable way. What we would like to see and what you know, Ted's project is sort of addressing is the absence of a clear um, guide and sign up and um, structure that allows people to know when they should come in to get their vaccine. We just don't have that yet. And contributing mightily to that is the complete absence of information um, from the state of California or from the federal government as to when new supply is arriving. We just don't know. I mean, you know, we were told the county was told a week ago that we're going to get 500 doses. You know, and we don't really know what we're getting next week yet. I mean, it's just really kind of, it's scrambled. It wouldn't just be that. as bad, except that you need to manage a second dose. The, yes. The, you know, if it was just a matter of getting everybody in and through once, that would be one thing. But now they have to manage getting everybody through a second time. Well, that and, you know, I mean, you do need about a, you do need some startup time to get the clinics scheduled and get Certainly. people notified. And if you don't know if you're getting, you know, 3,000 doses into the county or 300, it's hard to plan or notify people as to right. when and where to go. And and um, as far as I know, planning and building, those folks are handling the logistics for these clinics. They're not handling any of the medical side of no, it. No, it's, either, it's either a nurse or a doctor who's administering the vaccines and their EMS standing by in case there's an anaphylactic reaction. And I don't think we've had one in this county yet. And, you know, statistically, we probably may have a single one um, by the time everybody's vaccinated. But that's that's why we have epi at these sites and people who know how to use it. Uh, um, second question, or the first part of that question, was ivermectin. There's really not good data um, for that as of yet. I mean, it is one of the many drugs that's being looked at, um, but it's, it hasn't risen to the level of any sort of recommendation or utilization for the treatment or management of people with uh, COVID. What is it? It's traditionally used for um, parasites, um, and so, it, it, but it does have an immune modulating. Uh, um, property um, and so you know any any people with animals probably are familiar with it because it's one of the medications you use to treat livestock as well oh got it okay I learned so much about yeah, more everything. than you wanted yeah. yeah hello caller you are live on the air is that me that is you hi I read an update report on how COVID is transmitted and it says that uh, speaking and breathing are uh, considered ways to transmit COVID from one person to another because they're not in a big bubble, but they're in little bubbles that are expelled and linger in the air. So we need to be mindful of talking and breathing. Yes. Yeah. So if we all just held our breath for, you know, three days, then the pandemic would go away because the the outside viability of this Ooh. not in a human host is about so seventy two hours. Everything else. Yeah. Oh yes. I. That's one thing I forgot to add is that it's both inside and outside. It applies to both inside and outside. Of course, inside it's a little bit. Uh, it, it's you know you're more contagious, but. It applies outside. So if you're talking to someone or someone's talking to you, uh, they can content, they can uh, transmit the disease. Correct. And, you know, one thing one thing we've certainly learned in the last nearly year now is it's not a question really of contagiousness with inside settings. Um, it's more a question of dispersal. And so these aerosols and droplets disperse um, 
much, much more rapidly in the outdoor settings. And so you just really don't see a lot of transmission in outdoor settings mm-hmm. um, when compared mm-hmm. to inside settings. Mm-hmm. All right, caller. Thanks so much. Thank you. Let's take one more. Caller, are you there? Yes. Uh, it's your turn. Thanks for calling. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, okay, the question I have, or actually, here we go. Um, in-home care providers, you get rid of in-home care providers helping the elderly people, and uh, you're going to put a tax on the medical system and might very well kill live, kill people. You close down the tasting rooms, and you're going to save lives. So can somebody explain to me, please, the logic behind giving tasting room people and wiry goat herds and their chicken herders um, priority over in-home care providers to the elderly and their elderly patients. Talking about politics. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. No, I I agree with you, caller. I I frankly think that this whole tiered system and this whole essential system, essential workers. No, no, workers, it's politics. Come on, tiered or not, uh, no, we're we're healthcare workers. It's it's and not. I've it's been told by the local clinic that there's a lot of us that haven't gotten vaccine, but the tasting room people got vaccines. That's ridiculous. I, yeah, I, it's it's not just politics. I think the real question is where the money is. And so one can follow the money in terms of who's getting the vaccine. And really, this is nothing new. I mean, we know that the wealthy and the well-connected get better health care in this country. This is the health care system that we want to have, apparently, in this country. Um, we could have a single-payer system, and it could be much more equitable, but that's not the system that we have devised over the, the course of the last 50 years. So nothing new with COVID it's just shown to be in stark relief. Um, But I agree. I think this tiered system um, is really misguided. It should simply be um, essential, like truly essential society will collapse type of workers. So 911 dispatchers, healthcare workers who are coming into contact with people with COVID, um, you know, police and firefighters, sure, um, in-home health aides. um, But after that, it should really just be um, done by age, um, and that that would be a much simpler and much more equitable uh, system of administration. That's not what we have. I don't think it's going to be very readily changed to that type of system because we've already sort of bought into this tiered system that we're struggling through. Um, but you know, the caller makes a very good point. Well, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll see more vaccine flowing out into our communities and we'll be able to see more people getting through the, the, the process. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we might see some more vaccine coming to the communities. I'm afraid we're not going to see a lot more than um, we need for the second dose of people who have received it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really hope to see is decreasing numbers as we continue to be safe during the uh, waning months of this pandemic. Um, it's, it's, it's close. We're close to getting through it. And I, I really just urge people to do what they have been doing to stay safe um don't don't let your guard down now uh, we'll all get through it together but even with that you you support reopening schools i do because this has been going on now for a year um teachers are 
largely vaccinated in this county. 78% in the entire school district. And so we know that the vaccine gives extremely high degree of immunity. We also know that transmission uh, amongst children is much, much lower. It's not impossible. Um, And we're reaching a point where the risk of continuing to keep schools closed is far outweighing the risk of further transmission of COVID within the school districts. We live particularly these days, in a fairly warm climate. And so schools could be open with um, doors open, industrial fans in the doorways, social distancing and masking, and it would be quite safe. I mean, that is being done throughout the world, and we're not seeing significant numbers of increased um, hospitalizations or mortality with schools open versus jurisdictions where they're not. All right. Well, if you want to hear more about the school's plans to reopen and including their fans and filtration systems and social distancing plans and all of that. We talked about it in depth. Uh, We're going to play that interview tonight at 7 o'clock here on KCYX uh, with uh, Superintendent of the Ukiah Unified School District, Deb Cuban, uh, Katie Summers, and Gabriel Sherman, who are the people on the ground at the schools in Ukiah doing that work to get to get things ready for reopening. So that'll be at 7 o'clock tonight. Also, we're going to go back into special coverage of the inauguration. Uh, the Biden administration is holding their first press conference at 4 o'clock. The, so- the, the attendance at the inauguration, I have heard, was the largest ever. <laughs> Fake news. Well, there were a whole lot of flags. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll be going back into that. It, it, the first press conference from the Biden administration is happening at four o'clock. So we're going to bring you that just, you know, so that keep you informed and on this inauguration day. And um, yeah, so that'll be that's what's happening programming wise here on KZYX. What about you? When do we see you again? I hope Monday. Monday. With more news. More news. Of the local coronavirus front. I'll be working nights between now and then. So hopefully I don't see anybody listening. Right. Stay out of the ER, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and all all love to those who are in the ER Um, and be well, everyone. I'll be back. I think I'm back on Friday with the county's briefing at two o'clock and then a QA and a with someone from public health, hopefully at three o'clock. We'll get that confirmed. Um, But until then, be well uh, and have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.